from Los Angeles, California on the MTV Podcast Network with the help of Panoply Media. This is North Mollywood. I'm Alex Papadimus. On today's show, we will be talking to Nomi Fry, copy chief of T Magazine, colon, the New York Times style magazine. I put the colon in the wrong place and this for the copy chief's intro, no less. I'm going to be in a lot of trouble. We're going to talk about Scott Disick and Disick-related matters and uh, Robin China again. Robin China still still happening. But most importantly, sitting across the table from me right now, trainer to the stars, Molly Lambert. Hey, everybody. Get your reps in. Got to get your reps in. Did you mean trainer like personal trainer or like uh, animal trainer? I, you know, I now I'm thinking animal trainer. I like the idea, though, of the animals being the stars and that you would go to their homes because they're too famous to go out into the world. So you'd meet them at their burrow with like a medicine ball, like a cat circus of people. Yes. Like you're there and there's a bear and a kettlebell somehow involved. Oh, sounds great. We sent you to Vegas. I went to Las Vegas again for reasons that I cannot reveal yet, but will become clear in the month of October. Because you love it. Because I love it. I love Las Vegas. I love it for two days, and then on the third day, I have to be away from it. I have to leave. I know exactly. Yeah, you're <laughs> just like, okay, oh, this is amazing. I can't believe this is the simulacrum, and then you want to peel your skin off. Like, you're just, you're so, like, this is, like, you can get J.G. Ballard about it for one day, and then you're kind of like, ah, no, I got to I can get J.G. Yeah. Ballard about it for two days, and then on the third day, I'm like, I miss my bed. <laughs> Give me my bed. I need to be home with my cats. People were not meant to live here. Yeah, and they, they do. were not. Speed, well, in the people were not meant to live here category, what I did with my free time in Vegas when I wasn't doing the thing that I can't talk about yet, uh, I went to the Atomic History Museum, which is in Las Vegas, just in that area that is not the Strip, which is the surroundings, uh, but very close to the Strip, like not at all far from the Strip. You can drive there. They're trying to catch some traffic off the Strip. Well, I don't you know if they're trying someplace. to catch traffic or if that's just where something was related to the atomic testing stuff. But it is a, uh, it is the best museum. And it was great. And I recommend it to anybody who goes to Las Vegas, especially if you're like, I've had enough casino and I need some something else, some culture. Uh, so... I went to the Atomic Museum that is run by the Smithsonian. So it's a real museum. That was what I didn't know, was that it is actually a Smithsonian museum. So it has, you know, it's it's for real. It's not just some stuff in a hangar. It's some stuff that's very well labeled. Like the real, the good strontium. The good strontium. But they have two exhibits in the Atomic Museum. And one is the Atomic History exhibit. And then the other is an Area 51 exhibit, which was clearly not done by the Smithsonian. (laughs) And you are not allowed to take pictures in the Area 51 exhibit because it is so janky that I think they don't want people to know that they let this be in a real museum next to like real stuff. But I also regret so much not taking pictures because in the Area 51 section, well, let me let me describe. First, I'll tell you about the real the real stuff. So, all right. So we're walk- I'm walking in to the Atomic Age Museum. You walk Museum. into the Atomic Age Museum. You get your little your little wristband. First, there's a replica of somebody's office. This is like something I love in museums. Is like 
dioramas of recreating what somebody's room looked like and stuff like that. So there is a a diorama of somebody's office that I assume is the, I think it's the person who like helped found the museum uh, who worked in the atomic, atomic power sector. And uh, it's like his exact office from the fifties, but then it also has like some paintings they put in that are like pop art paintings of nuclear explosions (laughs) and atomic bomb clouds. Uh, And in the window of the museum from the front, there's a giant stand up. I just did an arm motion to replicate what the stand-up the, the, is doing. The giantness. There's it's, a, it's real big for those of you. It's not that big. No, it's just a paper cutout of a person, but it's Miss Atomic Power 1953 or something. And uh, it is like a showgirl with a bunch of cotton in the shape of an atomic cloud covering her parts. Uh, and it was part of just, they did like a beauty pageant to promote the atomic bomb that they were building in the desert. Well, to promote atomic power, yeah, right? which is a, which is totally different, even though it's the exact same thing as the atomic bomb, just harnessed. Uh, nothing about this museum is not terrifying. Everything is frightening because you're like, oh yeah, this all happened. No wonder everybody was so scared all the time. And there's sort of like the cultural stuff. They have comic books and you know novelty singles things that were sort of about like atomic culture time uh and then there's just a bunch of bombs a bunch of huge bombs there's like a b-53 the sequel to the b-52 i believe that is just huge and it takes up like a whole room and you're like that is the one that you are slim pickens riding at the end of dr strangelove Right. Like, it's very hard not to want to just climb on it because it is just like that. Uh, and my favorite part was a replica nuclear bunker, a replica uh, bomb shelter for just your civilian 1950s family. So there's like these mannequins of a family inside their bomb shelter watching the bomb on TV as they are safe in their bomb shelter. It is it is so weird. It's the kind of place you're like, oh, this is what they would find after the bomb goes off. You'd find the burned out remnants of this museum and piece together what happened. Then it's time to go to the Area 51 exhibit, which after you've seen this real museum exhibit, you're like, oh my God, <laughs> like who made this? It's the best. It's like a miniature golf course that is a blacklight miniature golf course, but it's an exhibit, but it's like you walk through a narrow black painted passageway that has like blacklight paint captions about like nobody really knows what happened at area 51 here's what we think might have happened and then it's just a bunch of like alien paraphernalia and conspiracy theory stuff uh x super x files themed uh and then you walk into i thought of our friend brian phillips a lot obviously during this uh i wondered if he has been to this museum because it is relevant to his interests as well and then the room that I really wish I would taken a photo, but I was also like too paranoid to take a photo because it says don't do it. And I was like, don't take a photo in the Area 51 room. Then you're on a list forever of alien hunters. <laughs> it's not. I mean, yeah, you're not in Area 51, though. Well, are you? Or, or you're very you? close to it. They have a replica of the black mailbox that Brian Phillips told us about on our Area 51 special episode which is the mailbox that is like used as a signpost for people trying to find Area 51, that the person who actually owned the mailbox got tired of people leaving mail for the aliens and put out a replica dummy mailbox next to it that's just mail for the aliens. 
But you can also leave mail for the aliens at the museum in the Area 51 exhibit. Did you leave any mail for the aliens? No, they know what I what I want. <laughs> they understand your demands. Yeah, they don't. We don't need like written words. We come. We communicate telepathically. Sure. Obviously. How, how silly of me to even ask. But there's a room that has just a replica of an alien autopsy. So it has a mannequin of a doctor and then a alien on a medical table, and it is the best. I could hang out in there all day is this all in like black light so it's yeah like a, so it's like a laser tag course basically. it's exactly like a laser tag course that's exactly what it's like <laughs> i can it's, i can smell this room oh somehow. it's a, it smells like latex and it's definitely like they don't want you to take pictures because it would just tarnish their reputation as a real museum that's affiliated with the smithsonian <laughs> right they don't want the smithsonian knowing too much about what they're doing in the yeah. back with with history uh, and then there's a great gift shop that i didn't buy anything at and regret not buying anything at because it was great and they had a hat that had just an atomic cloud on it that i wish i had bought but it seemed kind of like too dark for me even wow <laughs> i was just like i don't want to meet anybody who's had an atomic experience and this triggers bad memories for them <laughs> <laughs> that is a very uh, specific group of people to offend but it's a great museum and you said you went to new york new york as well you went, you, I went you, you made a mistake at new york new york i made york. a mistake I went to the casino and uh, my boyfriend talked me into going on the roller coaster that is on top of the casino, which looks very small from far away. And then you get close and you're like, uh oh, as we're like getting strapped in and the roller coaster like turns a bend and everything like smells terrible because uh, I think it's right by the trash. And Johnny was like, oh, they really recreated New York. <laughs> Then we start to go up the huge hill, the huge roller coaster mountain. And I like turn to my boyfriend and I'm like, are you scared? And he's like, yeah, I'm actually pretty scared. And I was like, no. <laughs> Good job. <laughs> you had one job. I was like, if you're situation. scared, now I'm so scared. I'm so much more scared than I was. And we're like strapped in. There's no getting off. You were looking to him to be like, oh, come on. Yeah, I was looking to him fine. to be like, it's fine. It'll be over in five seconds. And he'd be like, oh, like, sure. Yeah, no, it's great. But, he's yeah. like, no, I'm scared. I'm really scared, too. I was like, fuck. Uh, and then it was just like, I don't know how long it was, but it felt like a very long time of me just closing my eyes, <laughs> holding on for dear life to like the shoulder harness that I'm in and there was one very nice moment where you come out of a loop and then you like get a panorama of the strip and it's very great. But I was like, man, I wish this were a baby ride where you just see a panorama of the strip and don't go upside down. It was horrifying. And I lived. I survived. I will never do it again, probably. It did not make me be like, great, let's, know, let's go do the zip line at Fremont Street now. I was like, <laughs> zip line cool, enough thrills for now. This is no, they redid it. This is the redone version. Oh That's the God. thing. This is the nice. I re, I'm I'm now an expert on this roller coaster because I knew nothing about it, so I looked it up. The other thing that I know about New York, New York, I just need to get it in there. The if you buy the Statue of Liberty Forever stamp from the U.S. Postal Service, there is a Statue of Liberty on it, and it's the it's a picture of the Statue of Liberty, not the one in New York, but the one at New York, New York in Las Vegas. What? Because they just pulled a stock photo. And they're like, this one looks good. This one would be good for the stamp. 
And then somebody pointed out, hey, this is actually the one in Vegas, but they liked the simulacrum more and they kept it. More human than a human. Exactly. It's the, so if you look, there's like a little plaque on the Statue of Liberty in the picture um, in the forever Can stamp. you see a roller coaster behind you it? You can see, yes, you can see Molly terrified. Can you see me screaming? So, yes, white knuckling No, I wasn't screaming because I was so afraid that if I screamed that I would like lose my voice or something or like have an asthma attack so i just like also i just like pulled everything in as tightly as I, as i could and was just like if i live through this i will be invincible and then i was and now i am and now yeah now just, i'm unbreakable exactly you walked here on the freeway yeah it's good for you thanks we'll be right back Thanks for being here on North Mollywood today, temporarily renamed Nomi Mollywood. Oh my God. <laughs> we brought you in because you are the official Scott Disick expert. Your title is a professor of Scott Disick studies. Disickology. Yes. Yeah, Disickology. We wanted to talk to you about uh, Scott Disick's role as the Greek chorus on Robin China. And also about uh, what's up with Robin China right now. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a it's a sorry situation. I caught up with Robin China last night. Actually, I watched the most recent episode, and I've watched, I believe there have been three episodes so far. Um, and it's just you know it's going from bad to worse. I have to say I've never seen a reality show like this. It just like the I mean, maybe like something that's like sort of like genre specific, like intervention or something. You know what I mean? Where it's like the sort of thing that's meant to be like incredibly bleak, but then maybe like uplifting in some way. But this isn't that it's supposed to be. It's it has that very weird affect between the sort of like a fun loving Kardashian adjacent, you know, spinoff. And it's like a family and, you know, there's sort of like funny setups, where, uh, which I think is where like Disick comes in a lot. And then on the other hand, it's this complete death drive. Like I've, it's, it's, really, it's really intensely dark because basically there's Rob who doesn't want it happening, you know. I mean, he's like m- somehow agreed to sign on, probably like for financial reasons, maybe some like pressure from China or pressure from his mom or whatever. I mean, that's my guess. I have no idea what the truth is. He can barely like look anyone in the eye. He's so clearly like clinically depressed and anxious. And so it's just like having to watch this situation and also like having his relationship with China documented and they like clearly barely know each other which is also adds to like the weird awkwardness and kind of sadness of the whole situation because she's pregnant with his child. And then there's Disick coming in, you know, sort of like cashing in in a kind of like merry, you know, he's like the sort of like the family fuck up, but in, in, in contrast to Rob, he seems like really healthy. So he has this sort of like role of like, come on, buddy, I'm going to like get you off the couch. And there's these, like, set-up segments. 
where he like brings in like Donna Matrix, the trainer, you know, and they weirdly train like under the stairs in the kind of like in the kind of like entry, small entry room of the house. Did you guys see that? Uh, anyway. Alex definitely did. I've seen I've seen yeah. the entire thing. Why do they train under the stairs? It is unclear. It's <laughs> it was a weird. I didn't even think about it, but yeah, they're basically are like they the in, people under the stairs. They are. They're in the mud room of Rob's house. <laughs> no, I mean it's not under the stairs, but there's this place. It's like a very small. It seemed like the entry hall to the house. Maybe or that's something? where Rob feels safe. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think anyone has Rob's best interests at heart? Anyone on the show or in his world? Because I've said before, I saw Rob and Scott Disick in real life once. I mean, I mean, I feel like they don't. I don't think anyone has his best interests at heart, but I also don't necessarily think they have his worst interests at heart. Do, do you think <laughs> I they, think they're just like agnostic about it, kind of, and they're just like. Do you think they don't? They don't know how to help people except by putting a camera on them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I think that's the case, and I think it's very strange. It's like I think for them, like Rob is essentially a different species from the rest of the family. You know, like all. The women, I mean, apart from the fact that he's obviously he's the only I mean, there's Disick, but he's another thing altogether. But like in the in the original family, he's the only man. And so there's that. But then there's also he's like weirdly feminized because like all the women are so strong and so incredibly like psychologically resilient. Um, And they seem to be able to take anything you know what I mean would just would, would kind of like they're they're able to be to just go with the flow of whatever drama is happening in their life and Rob just isn't able to well it also seems like know? they see drama as like plot fodder like when bad things happen to them they're like "Ooh, I'm gonna turn this into a storyline it's it's like it's like it's fine. It's all good. It's like God is good. You know, like I remember there was this episode. It was like last season or a couple of seasons ago. Anyway, whenever it was after Lamar had his it was like the when they went to see the Yeezy show, maybe they were on the plane and Lamar and like Courtney was talking to Lamar, who had just like kind of become, you know, have c- came out of the episode that he had like after he like OD'd in Vegas and all of that. And she just said, she was like, God is good, you know? And and she said it kind of like very like, okay, so this shit happened, this like thing happened, but it's it's like anything that happens can sort of be somehow psychologically dealt with, like no matter what trauma you go through. And I think Rob is the exact opposite, basically. Like everything that happens is trauma. Like literally everything. Right. Like the sock going line. to the sock line yeah. was traumatic for all of us. Yeah. He needs a therapist and to be not on a TV show. And I also what I wonder a lot is like if 
if his way of rebelling is by being like, no, I'm not going to like get in shape. I'm not going to like get the Kardashian makeover. I'm not going to go to the family plastic surgeon and do this like the easy way or whatever and just get liposuction, which is what the rest of them do. I'm just going to like my body becomes like my form of protest of just like, I hate this. Yeah. Yeah. I saw a really depressing... A really depressing thing too where there was like a poll online where everybody was like which kardashian will die first and everybody said rob and i was like oh, <laughs> oh that's God. so sad like we can stop that from being true still i it's know it's like we're all watching this happen yeah, it's, it's really terrible and i think i think that i think the problem is like what you said about the body is i think really true but also i think that um it's not the problem for him is that this protest he's not able to take the extra step and make that protest like ideological you know so like he feels it and it's like acted out in his body but at the same time his value system is still such that he feels bad about it so he's not like saying okay this is like a call to arms essentially (laughs) you know like I'm gonna be like fat and I'm going to be because because I know I don't want to be like the rest of my family. This doesn't interest me. You know, I have other things that No, he seems like he just hates I himself. I want to do say and doesn't know what to do. And you are yeah, watching it and you're like, "What how can we help him? Let's all like tell him what to do and get him into something that isn't just being on a TV show." Like that's the only thing of value they all know how to do. But I don't yeah. know. I don't know what else he, he should do. But it just seems like he's like a rich kid with plenty of opportunity to do whatever. Right. It's like, ha- have you tried seeing a celebrity trainer? Like, there's the there's a very there's a limit to like what they can think of to do to help Rob. Like, they can bring yeah. in the trainer. But like, yeah, they're like, do you want? To, will veneers help? <laughs> if we put yeah. veneers on, will you suddenly not be depressed anymore? Well, maybe it's just like they don't know how to deal with internal problems. They only know how to deal with problems yeah. that manifest themselves physically externally yeah well the thing that bums me out about Disick because as much as I love Disick and defend him all the time is he's so fat phobic and gross about it like oh he's so in a super Patrick Bateman way like where whenever he talks to Chloe he's like well you were fat then so like you weren't yeah he was like she was like I'm turning 30 like Oh, you know, or whatever, whatever she turned in her last birthday. It's depressing. We don't know. Like, Do you want me to show a you a picture man. of what you look like at 25? You don't yeah. want to see that. You know, he's like, like nobody like, wants to see what you looked like at 25 because you were fat. And you're like, yeah, but that was yeah. also when we all liked Chloe and she was the funny one who seemed like maybe yeah. she wasn't as superficial as the rest of them. But then we found out she just was like laying in wait to like lose all this weight and become <laughs> I mean it definitely feels like they are all in competition with each other to be the hottest except maybe Courtney who kind of is hot but just takes herself out of the, the loop um, but definitely yeah. I feel like Kim and Kylie are having like a hot off and it makes me really uncomfortable because Kylie yeah. is like transforming herself into Kim like 25 year old Kim and then Kim is also transforming herself into 25-year-old Kim. and But like it, a better version or yeah. like an improved version. Well, it's like she lost all, all the baby weight, but like now it's like her butt is so obviously not the, you know, not going with the rest of her body that is now like too skinny for that butt. Um, yeah. Kind of just looks like they kind of just stuck it on there. She's like, oh, I'm back to my like pre-baby <laughs> weight. And you're like, should you be? 
necessarily. I don't know. <laughs> I just see like a death becomes her ending for everybody with like people's heads. You think? You think it's gonna? You think it's gonna end badly? I mean, I think I f- like I wonder about Kylie just because I'm like, if you start getting plastic surgery that young, how much stuff is in your body by the time you are thirty? If you start when you're yeah. eighteen, like your body. I don't know. It's so weird. I feel like there was a event horizon where people started getting plastic surgery younger and younger, where it became like a thing where people in their 20s were getting Botox kind of around like the Lindsay Lohan era. And I was like, those people don't even need Botox. But then it becomes like just this look, this look of like, you're so, I don't know, you're just injected with everything. You're trying to defeat the aging process that starts when you're like eight. Yeah. The process of aging into an adult. Well, Kylie said that really sad thing where she was like, I don't want to be 18, you know? Where I, I was know, like, I remember that. Oh my God, like, that's really sad. Everybody should want to not be a teenager anymore because being a teenager kind of sucks. It's just when you're older that you like fetishize being a teenager because you're like, oh, they're so carefree and like everybody's so hot and doesn't know it. But first of all, everybody's not so hot, <laughs> but it is... I don't know. It makes me sad because I'm always hoping that somebody will just puncture the whole ideology and be like, yes, no, there are other things in life that are valuable. um, And I want it to be Rob. So, so yeah, so like I said, I think the problem with Rob is really that it's there's no alternative. It's like a no exit situation, you know? It's like, it's it's not clear. Like, the only, like, would he, will he go to the mountains? Like, what will he do? You know, will he become like a wilderness? Actually, going to the mountains and becoming a wilderness guy is definitely a thing that I have known alienated rich kids to do. To be like, I renounce yeah. this life. But he he doesn't want that though. He, he wants want he wants to get postmates. I mean, like that was the thing, and there was a big plot point in this season. He should go to college. <laughs> then he can just <laughs> get postmates all he wants. <laughs> no, did you? There, yeah. you there, there's an episode two, I believe. There is a moment when China uh, is bust him about his eating habits because that's been a plot point. That that's been a thing throughout this show. Like I remember Chloe. And Lamar used to catch him like hiding snacks under his bed, like a five-year-old. You know, it was really just, <laughs> he is like a five-year-old. The most sort of demoralizing thing. But there's this moment when she's like, "Oh, well, what'd you eat today?" And he's like, "Oh, I had uh, an egg and an avocado." And she's like, "Really? Let me see your Postmates." And his Postmates oh. is like Subway, three and it's foot like longs, seven candy bars, six whatchamacallits. like a hoagie. <laughs> And then a he's hoagie. like, no, really a hoagie. He's like, but I had a broccoli and cheddar soup. It's healthy. You no, know I mean we don't call them hoagies out here in California. I think subs, subs. So, oh, is it think, subs? Right? Hoagie, no, like hoagie, from the Wawa. Yeah, yeah. No, I can't. I, so I, anyway, they were a foot. They were a foot long, I believe. I was like, where? What's? Yeah, it was. Yeah, she busted him, and then she was like six candy bars. That is slow motion but, but suicide. He's like five's not enough. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> He needed Whatchamacallit's and Kit Kats. Like, he just wants off Earth in the softest way possible. Yeah, I understand wanting Whatchamacallit's and Kit Kats in a subway. Listen, 
That's just yeah. what life is about. Listen, everybody want look, it's Los Angeles. Anyone will bring anything to your door. And that's why you cannot go out for three years if you're Rob. Like it's really Ooh. easy. It's a sustainable Rob. lifestyle. How I, can we save Rob? Let's brainstorm. I don't, I, I, I don't know. I think it's a real problem when you're at that level of kind of like, I want to say fame. I guess yeah. it's fame. It's fame. He's it's famous. fame for sure. Uh, and uh, it's like there's really, there's really nowhere to turn, especially like when you think about like, you know, like his mom is a producer on the show. There's much to gain from like keeping the plot machine churning. But like, um, if something bad happens to him, will they all feel complicit? Or you think they'll just be like, I "Oh, that's just so. what was going to happen anyway." You can't pull that thread. Yeah. If you're them. Yeah. Because yeah. where do, where does it end? Are they uh, complicit in Lamar? Are they complicit in any you know anything bad that happens? Well, I also with, want know. like maybe one of the girls to take him aside and be like, "Hey, do you know how much harder the press would have been on me if I had done any of this?" behavior that you're doing like if chloe yeah you know dropped off the face of the earth and like like they would just assassinate her in the tabloids and i feel like with rob everyone's a little bit of like a respectful distance of like we can't be too mean to this person because he's clearly struggling and yeah yeah that's true that's true you know and i just kind of want chloe to like slap him around and be like do you know what would happen to me (laughs) like if i got caught ordering five subways yeah, but he can't hear that from them though, I because know. I think he blames them no, he for his, his suffering on this earth in some way. That he was, it, it was that if they hadn't t- all taken to this life. Well, I think it's so also easily. that he's very sad about not having more of a relationship with his dad, who died kind of young. So he's definitely yeah. like, oh, if only my dad had been in my life, none of this other shit would have happened, because I would have had like a male role model and somebody else to like stop the entire Kardashian glam squad from ganging up on me and I just like I would know what to do with my life if my dad were here but he does he has a male role model in Scott Disick who we have not really talked about nobody should take as a role model no but look I'm gonna say that like look not not in the global sense not in the sort of your whole life kind of sense that you would try to emulate it it's like you know try to be like Paul Newman or something if you you know if you're gonna you know randomly rip off a celebrity but like there's a moment where in that second episode where Scott comes comes and he's basically saying something which is true. He's saying like, I feel like he's like, he basically says it's too late for me. Like I've, <laughs> I've fucked up. Courtney is never going to forgive me is the subtext of that conversation. Like he's just, it's like too much, too many times, whatever it was. He's like, he's never getting back in. So he lives in true purgatory where he can, he always yeah. has to be, a, he's always he can't leave. He like can't, he can check out, but he can't leave from the Kardashians. But in the Hotel Calabasas. Hotel Calabasas. But he's like, I feel like Hotel you could Calabasas. get it together and really have an incredible life. And it's like, it, he's not wrong about that. Yeah, like, how old is Rob? He's like a little, he's a youngie. He's not like, he hasn't. Well, Rob is, you could Rob see, is like, what is he, 28 or yeah, something? Yeah, I mean, you could see also it was like on the Kardashian show, which is the the interesting counterpoint to watching Rob in China, which I don't watch, but I see all the sort of related crossover plot lines on the other show. Yeah. Just that they were all like when they found out Rob and China were dating, they were all so bummed. And then when they found out China was pregnant, it was like none of them could feign happiness. They were all just like, fuck. <laughs> this is now he's locked yeah. in. He's not ready and we all know it that he's not actually like in a good place to be a father right now. 
but of course that's like one way people are like oh i'm unhappy with my life okay i'll have a baby now everything's gonna now i have a plan now i have like a direction uh and it's just so obvious that that is not what is happening and i really was hoping that like rob and china were very in love and this was a great move for both of them and the show (sighs) makes it seem like an ingmar Berkman movie about no it's cries and whispers it's cries and whispers in Calabasas it's it's really like it's really sad how how little of a connection they they seem to have which is of course like they've known each other like two seconds you know yeah Yeah, they were like he's deeply depressed they were like wouldn't this be funny and and like a great plot line and it is but then you're like oh these are also real people making life decisions and as real yeah. people, I feel kind of bad for everybody. Yeah, she's she's it's, trying. China's trying, man. She's really like China's like I'm going to make this. You can see her. She wants this to lead to the China show with or without Rob. I think you can tell now that yeah. she's like I'm going to do all the reality TV things. And so you see her like she goes and like I can't believe you're not watching the show, Molly. By the way, I saw I'm a little a, bit of it, and I'm I saw the thing bit, you were talking about with the comic book filter, and it made me so depressed. It's really it's really a bummer. It's so depressing. It's so low rent. It's you missed, so depressing. You missed China going to get piercings with Caressa and Christina who were the uh, half girlfriends who replaced Holly Madison oh, your girl yeah my girl Holly yeah, Madison yeah the, the twins the twins sure the I'm Shannon for, twins I'm waiting for China to get her cheek piercings put back in because that was her signature and I always thought it was really cute and uh, now she doesn't have them and I, that's all I got it's look. It's just weird because you see them doing all this. Like they're you're you're meant to care about these. You know the sort of the, the cast members. You know that they're sort of spinning out from this. You know that like they're, like oh, here's here's China's big crazy family. Like yeah. you know just her retinue. Oh of my god, weirdos. the family. Yeah. Yeah, no, and they're just, like, they very, like, it, it, you can, so there's two shows happening simultaneously. One of them is, like, look, we're a, we're just a crazy bunch of coconuts in here in this family. And then, like, the other one is, like, this guy is depressed and literally, like, wants to die. So he's sitting there in the strip club. It's a little bit. <laughs> it's it's like, like, exactly, yeah. No, I mean, you said Cries and Whispers. Like, I was going to say Weekend at Bernie's. <laughs> like, oh, that's so sad. <laughs> I'm sorry. You know, tomato, but, tomato. I feel yeah. bad even just, um, like, talking about Rob this way because I'm just, like, he's a person and I want him to be happy and it's like anybody that's so depressed that like you just can't get through to them because they are not listening. No, he can't. He can't even, he really can't even make eye contact, which I, you know, when when you've been depressed yourself, uh, <laughs> it's like, you know, it's kind of you remember what it feels like and the when I look at him, I'm like, oh yeah, like I recognize this, you know, it's well, like really... On the Mothership show, too, there was that episode about with the Chloe's birthday party episode um, where mm-hmm. where it was like the Kardashian girls kind of finally finally acknowledge like, oh, we've all been trying to like fix Rob and save Rob and help Rob and like nothing we do has helped. And then we were all like felt very betrayed that some somebody else specifically that China was able to like get through to him in a way none of us could. And then it's like yeah. they find out like, oh, she can't get through to him either when yeah. when anything comes up as a conflict, he just like shuts down on her and they suddenly like yeah. sympathize with her and they're like, oh, she's having the same problem with him that we've all had, which is just that like when he's depressed, he just totally shuts down and like won't communicate. And that's just how he knows how to express himself is by just withdrawing 
and she and China's like asking them like well what do I do how do I get him out of the hole and they're like we don't know either that's what we were hoping you could do <laughs> good luck with that <laughs> but I feel yeah, like maybe luck. maybe Disick is the only person who can get him out of the hole one of the most amazing things about Disick is that he's able to simultaneously be this complete fuck up who we've seen over the past like several years just make these horrible decisions and you know like fuck up over and over again um and be like a bad dad and a bad boyfriend and just like you know but then at the same time he i he totally acknowledges it in like a very kind of it almost feels like if we think about his relationship with rob it almost feels like a way out in a sense you know he's like i'm from the future and i can tell you what's going to happen to you he's like the ghost of of christmas future he has a sense of future yeah he has that sense of irony Um, about it he like shows rob to the grave where uh (laughs) scrooge will be buried no but it's also but it's not a grave because it's like it's not bad you know like he sort of has achieved seemingly at least or recently a relative equilibrium it seems you know like at least the way he's been portrayed recently on Robin China and and this season as well of the the main show so i think there's something kind of it's not inspirational in the sense that he's still like he's a total you know he's a fuck up you know but it's also it doesn't seem like he he wants to die anymore so it's like there's there's like this kind of I don't know to me it seems like a slightly hopeful thing in the context of like utter hopelessness that's Rob's situation he just seems like he seems older and he has a little bit of perspective on what's happened and I think like that's what growing up is it's like you just either you just live and loathe yourself for your mistakes or you learn to sort of you know you learn to have a sense of irony about it you know I mean like that's what you're watching Mm -hmm. him do and there's something about this show it's like because he's away from Courtney and his kids Disick in this situation I think he's he's Mm -hmm. really loose about it and he's really there's like both like there's he's making all kinds of jokes about his coke problem like which yeah, yeah he's, totally. he's acknowledging it yes molly's eyes just was she was like what you just look like the wide-eyed emoji like it's true no he's talking about it in a way that he's and he's talking about it as cocaine like about sort of he you know he talks about in the third episode he like names the drug by name really yeah he t- but he talks about how he went yeah. to rehab and then he wanted to do drugs more and like it's actually really funny it's like you're listening to someone who is able to sort of at least laugh at his own failures in a way that Rob is not. Like, Rob is not making any jokes yeah. about how bad the sock line did. Aww. You know, or anything like that. But, like, yeah. Scott is actually, like, he's sort of, you know, he can find it. You know, he's like, I had a big drug problem. No, it's, like, it's inspirational. He's like, he's like, it's not inspirational. Okay, okay, it's not inspirational. But it's, like, hopeful. He seems clear-eyed. So Scott Disick sees the world with clear eyes and tiny little pupils from doing all the cocaine. <laughs> Um, yes. Clear eyes, tiny people, yes. racing heart. Uh, can't lose. Can't lose. <laughs> can't lose. Nomi, thank you so much yes. for being our guest. Uh, we would love to have you back soon. This was great. Thank you so much, you guys. Thank you. 
This episode of North Mollywood was produced by Michael Catano, Mukta Mohan, and Kasia Mihailovich for the MTV Podcast Network. Follow us on Twitter at MTV Podcasts, and subscribe to this and other MTV podcasts on iTunes.